the word of God in Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying a sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Amen. Well, this past Friday, our son Jack and I had the wonderful privilege of going crabbing on a boat with MPC family member Chris Huddleston. He took us out, and as Chris throttled that boat out of Edmonds Harbor, Jack and I had the thrill of bouncing and feeling the waves and the wind and the spray. And we didn't catch any crab. It may be possible we're thinking that someone may have taken our pots. Uh, Chris laid them out and then the, someone, they were gone when we were there. So either someone took them or maybe the tide took them, but they weren't there when we got back. And along with not catching any crab, I broke my glasses and then I got SPF 60 sunscreen in my eye on the way home. I couldn't irrigate it. I couldn't flush it out. I didn't have enough in my tear ducts. So it was like, till I got home, I was talking to Chris going, yeah, oh, good. Yeah, it's good to talk, you know. And I'm pulling my eyelid down and finally got home and flushed it out. And everything was okay, but it hurt a bit in the meantime. Sunscreen is potent stuff. <laughs> but you know, we still, had a, we still had an awesome time. It was still awesome. How can you not be mesmerized by our beautiful Puget Sound? And there's something primal about the water, right? We start out in the womb and we're floating around in amniotic fluid, right? <laughs> then we look at creation story and God creates over the waters, the Ruach, the Spirit of God over the waters. There's something primal about the water. Seagulls, Seals. I think we even saw a little whale, we think maybe, a baby whale. Our brother Chris Huddleston, if you meet him, he is a big-hearted, dear guy, retired master teacher, golf coach, scuba diver, boating, fishing, crabbing in his DNA. We had a blast. So we had a blast anyway, right? And I learned stuff, probably six or seven spiritual insights from a trip like that, right, on the water. For instance, Chris was sharing about how to drive a boat. Probably many of you know this, but Chris pointed out there's a very simple key to driving your boat, and it is this. You fix your eyes on something in the distance, and you key off that, something that doesn't move. As we looked north on the Sound's waters, we fixed on a couple of land points, and that got us to where we wanted to go. And if other boats get in your way, we just backed off the throttle and reset and pointed again. If our fishing lines picked up seaweed, we just went idle, removed it, and then refixed the course at that point. We kept seeing that point through the ferries that crossed, through sailboats, through boats streaming past us, to stay on the point. 
I'm going to say to Chris at one point, I said, ah, there's a spiritual parallel to this. And Chris patted me on the back and said, oh yeah, keep your eyes on the prize, right? Amen. And Chris would know. Chris would know because his waters have gotten rough. He's given me permission to share that Chris's dear wife, Betty, in their retirement came down with dementia. Early, earlier, early dementia. And now she, after he cared for her for several years, she's now in an excellent facility. But imagine that. Talk about waters, right? Talk about rough things on the water, rough seas. But he stays on point. Chris stays on point. Well, the Bible is God's navigational chart, if you will, of sorts. It's, and the Psalms give us the point again and again. People who wrote these Psalms are God's people. They're God's people. They write about love for God. They do it with eloquence, poetry. You could outline a worship service based on many of the Psalms. It's got everything. Adoration of God, confession of sin, forgiveness, thanksgiving, prayers of request, praise, music, cymbals, trumpets, electric guitars. No, but sort of, right? In, in, in spirit, right? Whatever the musical idiom of the day we translate into, whether it's a, a Fender Tully or a Strat or a trumpet, or a shofar, you know, same idea, praise. So these are God's people, but they're also God's people. They're human. And so you will find incredibly spiritual stuff in the Psalms. You will also find gritty, earthy stuff in there. Psalm 102, my heart is blighted and withered. I forget to eat my food. All day long, my enemies taunt me. King David writes in Psalm 64, hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from plots of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. Another Psalm writer says, I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night, they prowl about its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. One psalmist even talks to himself. You know, you can talk to yourself according to the psalms. It gives us permission. The psalmist says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. This isn't super spiritual language in some prettified dimension of life. No, no fairy-dusted fantasies here. This is spiritually intense language mingled and mixed with real life, real life. God's people are God's people, right? The Psalms have the shimmer of souls blazing for God and they have the familiar smack of reality to them. The first line of Psalm 126 points to that. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, the great Old Testament scholar John Golden Gate, which I, understand, I think I understand he took care of his wife for years as she was sick. He believes this opening phrase refers to, refers to God bringing the Israelite exiles back from captivity. 
Israel ruined themselves with their disobedience. But it turns out that God's specialty is taking a ruin and making it good again. It's good news. Where have you ruined something or where has something been ruined for you? Ah, oh, I ruined the day or oh, game over. Never, never. Mercy's new every morning. Israel had to deal with their issues. They had to deal with the consequences. But God sticks with them ultimately. Of course, ultimately in the person and work of Jesus. The heart of the Old Testament biblical story is God's relationship with Israel. God begins by establishing a relationship with Abraham. He says he's going to bless the nations through this one guy. God leads them to a great land to settle in. God is faithful again and again, and again and again, Israel is not. Israel rebels, they worship idols, they disobey, they don't trust God at key moments. God warns Israel, dire consequences are gonna come. You're gonna be held captive by a foreign nation as a consequence of your rebellion. But always, these prophets turn on a dime toward an honesty about how bad things are gonna get because of the path Israel's chosen, but never is that the end. There's always hope because God at the end of the day says, I still got you. The Psalm today begins by looking back to how God got them back from the consequences of their own rebellion. This actually happened, God brings Israel home after they were captive for 70 years in Persia. It's like they were collectively sentenced to prison, if you will, in Persia. And then according to the book of Ezra, God inspired the Persian king to let Israel go home. When the Lord brought back, so here we are in our, in our psalm, this is them coming home. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men and women who dreamed. God's work to bring Israel back to its homeland is so unbelievable that it seemed like a dream. Too good to be true, but it was true. It's true, all of it. And this truth is where the psalmist begins his prayer by remembering what God did. If you're like me sometimes and you have trouble praying, you know, Dear God, oh, look at that bird. You know, ever have that? Here's a way to begin. Remember what God has done and pray that. When we start a prayer recalling what God has done, it takes the pressure off us to have to come up with new material every time, right? We simply name what God's done in our story in history, which is really his story, right? We could replace the Psalms first line and substitute our own experience, put our own experience. When the Lord brought the captives back from Zion, Lord, when you brought us home safely from that vacation after our car broke down, you know? When the Lord brought us home from, from to Zion, when the Lord guided me in that really confusing time, you get the point. We can also just pray Israel's experience. Pray it ourselves. Read the psalm 
and see what it exposes in our lives. Sometimes we can bring our experience and read it through the Psalms. Sometimes the Psalms shine a light in our experience so we can spot where God's working. Either way, that's how the word of God works. The Psalms give us that fixed point to look to in the chaotic seas of life and they can get so chaotic. I was surprised how busy the Puget Sound looks from when you're in the middle of it. It can look so peaceful when you're watching it from a distance, but we're in the middle of it. There's ferries crossing and sailboats and motorboats and seaweed and fish jumping. It's active. And still, there's that fixed point that we keyed off of. Focusing on God's faithfulness in the midst of all life throws at us, that's our fixed point. Through God's spirit, we recall what God did. That remembering, and Israel time and time again is told, remember, remember, remember this, remember this, remember this. That's what we gather to do even at the table today. We remember what God did for us in Jesus and that becomes our fixed point. And they remember in this Psalm, the first line, when the Lord brought us back, remember that? And then the vivid picture, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. The prophet Jeremiah speaks of Israel's coming home as leading to laughter and partying in Jeremiah 30. In the book of Ezra chapter three, when Israel rebuilt their temple after returning from exile, we're told that they shouted so loud that they were heard far away. In fact, they shouted so loud that people far away actually heard what they were saying. This language here in the psalm recounts the reach of Israel's happy shouts. What a model for church. What are we shouting about? Are we shouting about what God's done to bring us here? People will hear what we shout. It's our ministry. People, the nations, heard Israel's shout. The psalmist's language here recalls the response of these other nations. These other nations, in fact, give God honor for what they recognize God has done. The people of God shout God's goodness so much that it gets noticed by the people around. What is the world hearing us shout these days? It's a good question. Watch what happens next in the psalm. The voice of faith from the nations remembered, recalled, and re-experienced by the psalmist, becomes the psalmist's voice. No one, listen. Then it was said among the nations, right, the psalmist says, so the psalmist, Israel shouts, the nations hear it. Now the psalmist recalls that the nations heard it and spoke. So the voice of people responding to God's people is then taken up in the praise of God's people. It's like this circle. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. What is God's heart for the nations? That's clear all the way back to Abraham. God will, I will bless all the nations through you, many peoples, diversity. God's got a big heart for everybody. God is all inclusive of the nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, tata ethnos, all ethnicities. The diversity of this area is a gift of God to, to us as his people. We get to 
experience that, sometimes just wonderfully, even in our own neighborhoods. Praise God. It's only going to get more diverse. So we get to experience this here in an ethnic sense. There's all kinds of diversity too. But then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. What we shout gets noticed by the people around us. Then the psalmist declares, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. You catch that? A voice of faith from the past and even from outsiders who recognize what God was doing in God's people then gets pulled into the worship of God's people. Wow. Then the next move of the psalm. The psalmist goes from remembering to receiving to requesting. Verse four. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev is an arid region. It has dry gullies in southern Israel. One commentator with first-hand experience of these deserty gullies says that when it rains even an inch, just an inch in this area, the streams move super fast and with such force that they can take out roads and bridges. So as a scholar puts it, this is about praying for a sudden unleash of God's blessing. The prayer has sweep. It's not just, you know, Lord, give us enough food for the day, right? This prayer has guts. It's got chutzpah. Restore our fortunes. Keep in mind, this prayer is being asked by someone from a community that doesn't have the best track record with God. Talk about guts. Because even so, this prayer is going for it. You know, I look at a prayer like this, restore our fortunes, O Lord, and I wonder if my prayers are big enough. I wonder if we have big enough prayers for Mukilteo, for our lives, for our neighborhoods, for our church, for the wider community. A text like this calls us to pray big with courage, even as broken people with not the greatest track records. We pray big, not because we're so big, but because God is. If you and I aren't praying as big as the psalmist, restore our fortunes, restore your people, maybe we need to look back at the beginning of the psalm and remember what God has done in our lives and everywhere else. That's our true north, our fixed point. What has God done? God's faithfulness. That's what keeps us moving in the crazy seas and all that would distract us. He pushes even further. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. As we come together for worship, we pray knowing that God will respond. God may raise up prophets and priests in our lives to assure us. God may encourage our hearts in other ways, just the way we need, he will. But whatever darkness we face, we remember together that our lives, like this psalm, live from that fixed point of God's faithfulness. And here's the thing. Unlike with boating, where you, point, you have a point that's fixed and you focus on it. In life with God, the point is there, but it's not fixed. 
it's alive. He is alive. He is on the move. He is coming toward you and me, pulling us in, waving us in, moving into our hearts, propelling us forward in his, in his good graces. Our God is faithful. He is committed to restore you and me in whatever way he sees fit to shape us. He has done this ultimately in the person and work of Jesus Christ who is obedient and faithful in all the ways Israel wasn't and in all the ways you and I aren't. And then he invites us into that faithfulness through a relationship with him as people forgiven through his death and risen in his life and empowered by his spirit. He is our true north to stay fixed on. Remembering what he's done, we feel our prayers and our worship of him. And remembering what he will do, we move forward and we throttle up to restoration. Because really, that is our future. As God's faithfulness is always, in some way, up ahead. May it be so for you and me. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, you are so faithful and good. Help us to hear you, God. Really hear you in these moments. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are our fixed point, but you are on the move. And you invite us in to your faithfulness. Amen.